Good evening. We're so glad you're here tonight. As you already heard, we're talking about the book of John. And so if you have a copy of God's Word, let's look at it. The book of John, the fourth book of the New Testament, book of John chapter 1. Uh, one of the great things about preaching this way, there sometimes we will call audibles, and we're going to call it an audible tonight because we're going to go back and look at verse 4 and take another running start to look at some verses. And we'll probably just stop at verse 13 tonight and pick up the rest next week. Book of John chapter 1. Begin reading with verse 4. Last time we saw that the apostle John wrote this, he wrote it for a purpose, he wrote it for a reason, and that is to tell people, to show people that Jesus is God. And so he's using some words in the beginning called the prologue, talking to the Greeks, to the Gentiles, but also talking to the Jews, putting it in their language so they would understand what he's saying. And he's using a lot of imagery, and we'll see that throughout this study as he's talking about light and darkness and those kind of images. And so let's look back at verse 4. Chapter 1, talking about Jesus, he says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And there came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all may believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let's pray. Father, tonight we pray that you help us as we look at your word, that you will guide us and help us to understand who Jesus is. And not only that, Father, help us to understand our role, our responsibility in telling the world about this incredible truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. My first church, I was a pastor of a small rural church in Mississippi. And you never know what might come up anytime you're a pastor, but especially in, in a rural area. And one night we received a phone call from a young lady in our church. She was in her 20s and she lived by herself. Her grandmother had died and she left her the house and her house was way in the woods. And she started the conversation by saying, Brother Dan, I'm not crazy. I don't drink and I don't do drugs. Okay, let me, let me tell you a rule of thumb. If that's how you start the conversation... It's going to be good. And I said, what can I do for you? She says, there are three UFOs over my house. And they're dancing over my house. Could you and Eileen come to see it? And I said, the obvious. What? And she repeated it. She said, I know, I know this sounds crazy. There are three UFOs, three, three circles over my house, and they're dancing over my house, and I'm scared. Could you come and see it and, and, and tell me what's going on? I said, okay. So I told Eileen to get dressed that we're going to go to her house. And again, she lives off on a dirt road, off a dirt road, off a dirt road, way deep in the woods. And so we're driving there, and and while we're driving there, I, I'm kind of laughing about this whole situation that we are now in the X-Files. And, 
And, uh, and then I stopped the car. I looked at Eileen. I said, you know those movies, those sci-fi horror movies that you scream at stupid people going into houses? Like, are you an idiot? We are now those people. We are going into the woods to investigate something we don't know anything about. And we went forward. So we got there, and she was out in the front of the house, and, and there's nothing there. And she said, I promise you, I saw, the, I saw this thing, three, three UFOs, three, three circles of light dancing over my house. I promise you, I, I, don't, I don't know what it is. And so we were talking to her, and then all of a sudden, they appeared. And I knew immediately what it was. She wasn't crazy. And it did have that impression, that the optical illusion. Because what was happening in her house, above her house, there was a spotlight miles and miles away. It was a county fair. And a spotlight about 30 miles away was bouncing off the clouds. And over her house, it just the way it worked, it did look like three individual circles dancing over her house. Now, the reason I knew that, because at our house, when I was growing up, we sometimes had that from the airport. Sometimes there would be a circle over our, air, over our house, like it's just a circle dancing. It's just the way it looked. It's an optical illusion. And I knew immediately what it was, and I said, let me, let me tell you what it is. It's okay. I said, this light, about 30 miles away, somehow has been bouncing off all the clouds, and it just appears to be over your house. The light in the darkness was shining. In the book of John, John is giving a description of Jesus. He begins by telling us that he is the Word. And he, we talked about that last time. He explaining this concept that Jesus was the Word. And that was a concept that the people understood. That, that Jesus is the Word. He's the reason for everything. But then John says in verse 4, In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. In verse 5, there is so much to unpack here. There is so much that John is saying in this one simple verse. First of all, John says, the light shines in the darkness. Now, in Greek language, there are two words for darkness. Uh, the, the, there's one word, is, is sophos, it's a poetic word, meaning kind of like uh, right before it turns dark, you know, kind of like at dusk. I mean, you can see it's just dark. That's not the word John uses here. John uses a very strong word for darkness, and the word skatia, it means complete darkness. It means the, the, that kind of darkness, you cannot see anything. In fact, John's going to use it nine times throughout this book. It means this blackness, it means nighttime. I remember when I was in Zambia the, the very first time, and, and you know, the, in the movies you always see in Africa, there, there's that scene where the sun's going down, and I always thought it, it was just you know, special effects because it goes down, and then all of a sudden it, it turns dark. That's just the way it is, and that's exactly what happened. We're watching the sun set, and there's sun, 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 and then all of a sudden it's pitch black. You can't see anything in front of you. You cannot see the hand in front of you. That's the kind of darkness that John is describing here, and he's going to talk about that throughout this book. What he's saying is that this darkness of those who hate good, we're going to see that in chapter 3. People who hate good, they're in this kind of darkness. Those people who do not follow Jesus are in this kind of darkness. Those who, those who hate the good things of the world, they are in this kind of darkness. 
He's going to use it three more times, talking about the, the physical darkness, but he always compares it to the spiritual darkness. He says, spiritually, uh, people are blind in darkness. You know, if you ever wonder why it's hard, if you are a believer, you ever wonder why it's hard to communicate with people about the moral conditions of the world? It, it, it seems like they don't recognize the, the moral conditions of the world. It's almost as if they don't see what's going on. And here's the reason. They don't. The Bible says they are blinded. I mean, I, I look around in the world, and I, and I see how the world is going down morally, and, and, and many in the world doesn't seem to care. A very well-known atheist of, uh, last year or two years ago made the statement. He says, the world is getting better. He said, for the very first time in the history of man, man is becoming better, and I'm seeing the goodness of man. And I'm going, I don't see any of that. Well, how is that possible? Because the Bible says that if you do not have Christ in your life, you are spiritually blind. And John is saying this, this description, this darkness is moral darkness. It's not a little light. It is pitch black. It is midnight. This darkness, there is no light. This darkness, you cannot see anything. That is the world. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And John says this light shines. Again, so much about that one word. Technically, and you don't have to know any of this, technically is a very, a very specific word. Uh, the Greek is very specific language, but here's what it means. This light has always been shining, and it will continue to shine forever and ever and ever. It's called a linear present active indicative. You don't have to know any of that. What it means is this. That light didn't have a beginning, and the light does not have an end, is going to continue to shine and shine and shine. He is eternal, and he will never stop shining. Jesus was not created. Jesus is the creator. John says the word was in a continuous state of existence. Whatever the beginning was, he said in the beginning, he was there. He had that intimate fellowship with the heavenly father because he is God himself. He is responsible for everything that was being made. He is the source of life. He has no ending, no beginning, and he is still shining. That's what John is saying. This light shines in this darkness, this blackness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. Another interesting word, this idea of comprehending. When Jesus came into this world, there was a conflict between the powers of light and the powers of darkness. Again, we're going to see it throughout this book. We're going to see John talks about this struggle, this battle that's going on. So what does he mean when he says this darkness did not comprehend this light? Well, actually, it has two meanings. The first meaning is the darkness didn't recognize it. We're going to, again, we're going to see this throughout this book. He did, the darkness did not recognize it. He goes on to say that later in the same chapter. He was in the world, the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. The world didn't recognize him. Verse 11, he came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. The world did not comprehend him. They did not know who he was. We see it in John chapter 1, verse 10, and we're going to see it in John chapter 1, verse 11. We'll see it in John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, Jesus pointed out that those who love the darkness hate the light because their deeds are evil. They did not comprehend Jesus. So when Jesus, the creator of everything, came here, the people looked and they didn't even know who he was. Because of darkness, according to John chapter 8, verse 12, they walk in darkness and they don't see Jesus. In fact, in chapter 8, chapter, 
chapter 8, verse 48, they're going to accuse Jesus of being a demon. They, are, they don't recognize him to the point they think he's demonic. By the way, we need to keep this in mind whenever we share the gospel. You know, sometimes I think we, we try to share the gospel, and we think, you know, I can just argue my way to, to get somebody to come to Christ, and you can't. Oh, I can just use logic. I, I can just use logic, and I, I can break down the logical explanation of who Jesus is, and I can bring them into the kingdom. You can't. Because the person you're talking to is in the darkness. And they need to see the light. And the only way they can see the light is if something spiritual happens when God reveals himself. Yes, we're to share our faith, but you're never going to logically explain this to anyone. And so John says, in this darkness, they did not recognize him. But it's a stronger word here, the way he uses it. It means to overcome. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend. Some translations will actually use the word overcome. It's a word used to describe somebody in a race. Paul uses that in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If you're running a race, your job is to overcome the person in front of you. Uh, when I was in high school, I ran track, and my job was to overcome the person in front of me. I, I, know, I was to you know, just grasp ahead of them, and that's what the word used, to overcome. The darkness does not overcome. Is to win a prize. It's the same word used in Mark chapter 9, a demonic possession of man, a demon possessing a man. He overcame him. It means to take by force. It means to grasp. So John is saying the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome him. The darkness is not going to win this battle. Here's the good news for you tonight. The darkness has never overtaken the light and the darkness will never extinguish the light, and the darkness is never going to win. Never. It's impossible. Evil is not going to win. Now, sometimes we think evil is winning. That is true. Sometimes we think it, but it's impossible for evil to ultimately win because the darkness cannot overcome the light. And again, it may appear for a season. It may be in your life tonight, you may be thinking, wait a minute, Pastor, you don't know about my life. It seems like everything is against me. It seems like I'm just falling further and further down. For a season, it looks like that way. But according to the Word of God, it is impossible for evil to win out. Darkness cannot overcome the light. And so John puts this foundation before us in verse 5. The light is continuing to shine in the darkness, and the darkness cannot win. So tonight, I want to focus on this concept of Jesus is the light. What does that mean? Well, first of all, Jesus' light penetrates. Jesus' light penetrates. You know, no matter how dark it is, light wins. No matter how dark it is, one light will shine forth. During World War II, they had blackouts in London. All the people had to turn off their lights. I've read accounts where they said a, on a clear night, a single match in London could be seen from miles away. And so they had to be very careful that no light would be produced because light will always penetrate the darkness. And there's this cosmic battle between God and Satan, and this battle is not between two equals. God is the light, and the light never loses the battle with the darkness. The Word is going to win at the end. 
And I know there are people who think, well, darkness can win, but, but John said, no, 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 you don't understand. Because light penetrates. If we turn off all the lights in this room, a single light would penetrate the darkness. And I think we know that anyway. You know, children, many times, they like to have a light at night. Who am I kidding? Some of you like to have a night at night, a light at night. They want that night light. They want the closet light on. They want a light left on somewhere in the house. They yearn for that, that crack of light that slips across the floor because they know if I see the light, it's going to be okay. All they need is that sliver of light, and it will penetrate the darkness, and they are, think that this, dark, this light will keep away whatever might come in my room. That's why people love to have flashlights by their beds. That's why people like to have flashlights when they go on camping and have a flashlight in your car because the flashlight will shine light in the darkness. We understand this. Light demystifies the darkness. And even small children will pursue the light. They pursue the light because they know they can trust it. Whether it's a, a flashlight or lighting a candle, it is the light. In the same way, in the spiritual realm, the light will always penetrate the darkness to show you that God is there, to show you that God has not left you. When you feel like you have no options, when you feel like there's no place to go, and you feel like you're in the darkness, you look and you'll see that light of Christ penetrating that darkness. And when you see that light, it brings peace. Number two, Jesus' light illuminates. Pretty obvious. He illuminates. Light reveals things. Whenever there is a light, we see things better. In the darkness, it can disguise things. It, it, it can conceal things. But the light, it reveals. You know what the light can reveal? Our sins. In the Bible, darkness represents evil. Light represents goodness. That's why Satan is called the prince of darkness. That's why Jesus describes hell as a place of outer darkness. That's why the Bible says that men love the darkness rather than the light because their deeds are evil. Uh, we, we think of the darkness, but the light reveals our sins. That's what the Holy Spirit does. When God's light comes into your life, you will see your life differently. He turns on the light so that we have a better view of who we are. One Christian writer, Selwyn Hughes, said, we don't always want God to shine his light on our sin. It's too revealing, too strong. But remember, it's only exposing the problems that can be resolved. When God reveals our sins, he's revealing our sins to be sobbed, to do something about. Once you have the Holy Spirit in your life and he is shining that spotlight of conviction on your soul, all of a sudden you realize who you are. You realize we're all sin sinners. And God is a holy God. It's kind of like Isaiah. When he saw the holy God in the temple, remember what he said? Woe is me, for I'm a man of unclean lips. That light revealed to him. I told the story before, but I remember one time Ali and I went out to eat. and went to, It was an Italian restaurant, and it was candlelight. And, and I, I love spaghetti, and I, I don't like, well, there's another story. I, I, I ate spaghetti, and, and I thought everything was going well. It was nice, kind of like dinner. And then we left and went somewhere else, and I got in the light, and my white shirt looked like I had the measles. 
Because here's what I don't like about spaghetti. I have never been able to eat spaghetti without getting it on my shirt. It's impossible. I just can't do it. But in the semi-dark, I saw no stains. In the semi-dark, I looked fine. Once I got into the light, I had a problem. The closer you are to the light, the more dirt you're going to see on yourself. The closer you are to God, the more you're going to see your sins. And if you're here tonight and you're watching online, you're saying, well, I don't don't have sins. I don't have to worry about that. Then you're not close to the light at all. Because the moment you get closer to the light, as we get closer, the more we see who we are. Because he reveals our sins. But he also reveals his ways. He illuminates his ways. You know, sometimes we pray to God, Lord, will you show me the way? You know what God does? He shows us the way. God has always promised to us to show us the light, to show us the way. Book of Isaiah, chapter 30, verse 21 says, And whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear this command behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. God says, I will show you the light you need to keep going on the path you need. That is a promise from God. Now, God doesn't show us everything. He doesn't show the light to show us the final destination. We can't handle that. But he will show us enough light to take the next step and the next step and the next step. We follow the light that God has shown us. And as long as we're following the light that God has shown us, he will continue to follow us. So for tonight, for example, tonight when I get in the car and I I turn on the car and I turn on the headlights, you know, I won't see my house. My house is not close. But I can see far enough that I can go a little further to get to my house. I'll drive a little further. I still can't see my house. And if I drive a little further, I still can't see my house. But I'll keep going, and I have the light that I need to keep going straight until the moment I get to my house. In the same way, God reveals light to us to show us what we need to do for the next step. And we just keep following that next step. It's kind of like in the Old Testament. Remember how God led the children of Israel? And they had, had the, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. As long as they were following that, they were on the right path. And so God illuminates his will to us day by day, just showing us sometimes step by step. And sometimes people come and say, well, I don't know what I need to do. What is God's will for my life? And, my, and I always ask the same question. Well, what has God told you to do last time? Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep following what God has shown you. And as you're moving with God, he's going to show you more and more and more. Many times, most of the time, he's not going to show you everything. He's not going to show you your whole life. We can't handle that. But I can handle the next step. I can handle the next hour. I can handle the next minute. And God, through our Lord Jesus, he illuminates and he reveals to us. So how is this revealed? Well, by his word. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Again, it's that image of that lantern. It just shows you what you need to do, where you need to go. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the light. And as we're reading his word, he keeps showing us. You see, a lamp or a light not only shows us where to walk, it shows us where not to walk. He provides direction and protection. I remember our kids were young. We lived in Huntsville, and we had a, a living room, and, and for, I don't know why, we had two light switches, and I turned off the light switch to walk in the darkness when I could have turned the light switch off there. I don't know why, but I looked to see if there was anything on the floor. There wasn't. So I turned off the light 
to walk in the darkness to go to bed. I don't know if your children ever had Legos. And I don't know why it always happens. I didn't see the Lego. I found it in the dark. And I screamed. If I had the light, I would have seen it. I would have seen where not to go. In the same way, the Word of God shows us not only where to go, but where not to go. And sometimes it's just a little light to guide us. But really, that's all we need. 1954, there was a Navy pilot on a night training mission off a carrier off the coast of Japan. He was flying in stormy weather, and his directional finder malfunctioned, and he started heading in the wrong direction. To make matters worse, while he's flying, his instrument panel suddenly short-circuited and burned out all the lights in the cockpit. He said he looked around, he saw absolute darkness. He saw no light whatsoever. He is flying blind. And he kept flying, saying, what am I going to do? When all of a sudden, he saw in the water this faint blue-green glow trailing along the ocean. And he knew what it was. It, it was a, a phosphorescent algae glowing in the sea that had been stirred up by the engine of the ship. It was very faint, but he could, it was so dark out there, he saw this faint blue-green light, and he began to follow that. And he found his aircraft carrier. His name was Jim Lovell. He, he later flew the uh, Apollo 13. He said, it was the least reliable, most desperate method of flying I've ever done. But I simply followed the light. And my life was saved. In the same way, God gives us light to live. He gives us light so that we can be led in the dark. Finally, Jesus' light cultivates. Cultivates. You know, light helps us grow. As plant needs light to develop, so do people. But as Christian, we need light to grow, and that is our Lord Jesus. You know how he does it? By drawing us to him daily what he does his light brings us to him you know i'm fascinated by buildings if you go down to nashville you see the skyline and all these buildings you know they are spending millions and millions and millions of dollars on the lighting in those buildings they want to be attractive to people they're trying to find out the, the, the right combination of lights to to draw people to those buildings because that's what light does light draws people jesus draws us to him he cultivates us as we come closer to him jesus is the light not only attracts us to cultivate us he attracts others jesus said i am the light of the world if you follow me you won't have to walk in darkness because you have the light to lead you according to john chapter 8 and so as we come to him he cultivates us in his light through his word through prayer through growth and john writes in in verse 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. That's what he does. He cultivates us. 
He brings us to him closer and closer. And as we closer, we see our sins and we ask forgiveness and we grow and we grow and we grow. And John is writing this letter to tell the world, you need to know the light. And that's our job too. Our job is to tell the world about this light. And in verse 9, it says, There was the true light which came, which coming into the world enlightens every man. This light of, that came into the world, his name is Jesus, came for everyone. To enlighten everyone. Not just some, but everyone. And our job is to present that light to the world. I read a story recently about a pastor in Japan. He pastored a church in Fiji that actually has planted over a thousand churches around the world. He was going to Madagascar, and his translator told him about this, this old man who lived up on a mountain who many considered to be a holy man. And so the pastor said, I'd like to go see him. And so they went up to see this old man on the mountain. He had no electricity, no running water. He really had no contact with the outside world. And, and so the translator introduced himself, introduced the pastor, and the, and the old man said, do you have any Coca-Cola? <laughs> and they all laughed. They said, no. Have you ever had Coca-Cola? He said, no, but I've heard it's good. And the pastor said, no, I don't have Coca-Cola, but I have something better. I came to tell you about the true God, his only son, Jesus, and began to tell him about Jesus. And as he's telling the old man, the man begins to cry. He said, I've always known deep in my heart there was one great God who created everything. I've always resisted the witchcraft and tribal magic of my people. They always seemed to be a flicker of light that I couldn't reach. I've asked the Creator many times to send someone to teach me about this light. And tonight the torch is burning brighter than ever before. And the old man gave his life to Christ. And because he gave his life to Christ, other people in all the different villages heard about it. And they began to hear the gospel. And they began to give their life to Christ. And a church was planted in that area. Because someone decided, I'm going to go tell someone about the light. You see, this week, every person you meet, it's one of three things. Some are walking in the light, as he is in the light. Some aren't walking in the light, but they're walking toward the light. And there are some that's walking away from the light. And they risk dying without salvation. And it's our job to tell them about the light. And there are a lot of people living in spiritual darkness, and they're blinded. And it's our jobs as a church, it's our jobs as believers to go tell that lost world in darkness about the light of the world and his name is Jesus would you stand and bow your heads tonight you may be in spiritual darkness and tonight's the night you need to give your life to Jesus Christ in a personal way by a, admitting you're a sinner. Admitting, Lord, I cannot save myself. It is impossible. B, by believing that Jesus Christ died for you 2,000 years ago. He died on a cross. He paid for your sins. 
He was buried on the third day arose. And you need to confess. What that means is that you agree with God and you give him everything in your life. You bring it all to him saying, God, it belongs to you. I give it back. Will you do that tonight? If you're online and you need to give your life to Christ, we ask you if you text the word today at 270-398-5005. And a minister will give you a call. But if you're here tonight, as, as we begin to sing, and if, as Lord lays on your heart, if you just come talk to me or one of the ministers to say, tonight's the night I want to give my life to the light. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the light because, Father, we are living in darkness. Father, I thank you that tonight I know that darkness will not win the ultimate battle. That light always wins. And it may be tonight for those here, those watching, maybe they're thinking darkness is winning. But show them tonight, Father, ultimately darkness will never win out. Father, for that one who's struggling with this idea, does Jesus really love me? Show them the cross as Jesus died and bled for all of us. For that one who thinks maybe I'm beyond the grace of God, Father, show them the cross that no one is beyond the reach of God and the reach of Christ. And so, Father, whatever decision that needs to be made tonight, Father, I pray that we make it, and we make it in faith, that, Father, we may walk in the light. And we thank you, Father, for all your many blessings. And tonight, Father, as we go in this time of opportunity and invitation, may your will be done as the light is proclaimed. In Jesus' name, amen.